This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Today I want to speak about this topic. I know who I am. Daniel chapter number one. Now I want us to follow in our scriptures. So pop out your Bibles, your actual Bibles, your electronic Bibles, your phones, whatever it is, your Bible app, and go with me to Daniel chapter number one. And we're going to start with verse one and we're going to go all the way to verse number 17. Okay, so we're going to read a small passage. I'm not going to read the entire book, but at least that first passage. So Let's go. Let's, you could read, read as I read. You could read you know, with me. Uh, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the, son, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he bought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, lowercase g, God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Asphenes, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, I want you to underline this verse, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them with literature and language of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, that he himself ate, and of the wine that he himself drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Verse 6, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Verse 7, And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. This is a very important verse. Verse 7 is a very important verse, and we're going to come back to it in just a second. Verse 8, But Daniel resolved. Someone say resolved. Underline that word, resolved. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He, He took a stand. Verse number nine. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. It's amazing. When you stand for God, God stands for you. All right, he, he, when Daniel stood up, God stood up and gave him favor and compassion. Verse 10, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. He says, my life is on the line. Why would I do that? Verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Give me 10 days is what he said. Let us be given vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you 
and deal with your servants according to what you see. He said, just watch us. Just observe how we're going to come out. If you're afraid that we're going to be malnourished, just watch, just wait, and see what happens. Verse 14, so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but turning vegan is probably good. (laughs) Terrence, you're probably going to agree with me. He's the only one that's gleaming from ear to ear, right? I don't know how I could do that, but let's go. Verse 16, so the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. Verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Hey, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. If you ask me, it's one of the most... uh, told stories in Sunday school in kids' church. You and I have heard so much about the, den, about the den, the lion's den, and Daniel that was in it and God rescuing him from that. Stories like Jonah's story that's, uh, that was in the belly of the whale and stories like this young man, Daniel's, are stories that will always be etched in our memories because they are stories of faith. They are stories of endurance. They are stories of perseverance. See, the life of Daniel is a story of this young man that lived a life without compromise. Here's a man who did not shake or quiver in the face of adversity. See, the setting of the book of Daniel is during this, the third year of the king called Jehoiakim, the son, uh, the, the king of Judah. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, there are a bunch of names, so I want you to track with me for just a few minutes as I lay a backdrop. Nebuchadnezzar, was the king of Babylon, and he was the one that occupied this territory of Judah, all right? So this man, this evil king, this this carnal king, this worldly king goes from this land called Babylon. He goes and conquers and occupies the territory of Judah. So everybody, Daniel, his friends, his family, everybody in that city come under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. Suddenly, something happens. Nebuchadnezzar's father, whose name is Nabopolassar, right? Was, he was the reigning monarch of the kingdom of Babylon. He was the one that was the big king, the one in charge, the, the big guy. He suddenly dies. And uh, the, the news reaches Nebuchadnezzar. And while Nebuchadnezzar was gathering the treasures and hostages in Judea, this emergency call comes to him saying, you got to get back home. Dad has passed away. Nebuchadnezzar's father had died and he needed to go back home, so off he went. And among the hostages that Nebuchadnezzar took with him back to Babylon were these four young men led by their their friend Daniel and his three friends. Daniel was from this royal family, the Bible says, and he was a teenager in the time that, uh, that, that, that he was taken away and his three friends were also teenagers and they were forced to travel around 1,500 miles all the way to this land called Babylon. Uh, The the main aim and the goal of this king was to indoctrinate these young men, was to brainwash them, to divorce them from their home, to divorce them from their culture, to divorce them from everything that had to do with the living God. 
And they would do, and, and we would learn, and we would go on to read as to how Nebuchadnezzar, and we didn't read the entirety of this story, but we would learn how this man would go to any extremes and any lengths to destroy and bring down these three, these four men. Here's, here's something that I want to remind us today. As long as we are in this world, we are disciples of somebody. As long as we're in this world, we will always be under the discipline of something or somebody. You're being trained by somebody. Without your knowledge or with your knowledge, you're being trained by something. You're being trained by a worldview. You're being molded by a worldview. And you have to decide day after day. You have to decide month after month. You have to decide week after week, challenge after challenge, who you will serve, who you're going to serve. And you're probably wondering, Pastor, duh, I'm in church, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Obviously, I'm going to serve God. But trust me when I tell you this, we're going to be faced with challenges. It could be in our workplace. It could be in, in, in our, our businesses. It could be in big decisions and at home, medical decisions that we have to make. In different places that we're in, that God puts us in, we're challenged day after day to always be rooted in our faith. And God asks us, who are you serving? Who is teaching you? Right? The Bible says Daniel resolved. This young man, against all odds, decided to stand in his place and say, I don't care who's coming against me. I don't, I don't care who's plotting against me. I resolve to stand firm in the foundation that is God. Church, I want to remind somebody today, the resolve or the decision of the child of God is more powerful than any force or any reckoning of the enemy. It's so powerful when you and I decide, when you and I make up our minds, when you and I say, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I am going to do it, man, the enemy is threatened because what he sees is this word called resolve. Somebody say resolve. The Bible says Daniel resolved. Man, when the Christian resolves or has a mind of resolves, a mind of resolve, that resolve is more powerful than circumstances around you. That resolve is more powerful than the virus that is around us. That resolve is more powerful than this year or next year or last year. This, this resolve is bigger than who is in the government. It is bigger than who is the president. It's, it's bigger than who is on the Supreme Court. It is bigger than your family background. It is bigger than the color of your skin or your culture of how, how you've been ostracized in the past or how everything is going good for you. It's bigger than your socioeconomic status. It's bigger than your bank balance. Your resolve and your decisions will often steer you towards your destiny. You know, there was so much outside his control. There was so much beyond his control. And that's what Christians always say. We always say, man, there's, there's so much that I don't have under my control. And that's true. There are so many things that are outside your control. And we're going to talk about the things that were not under his control. And how he used those things that were not under his control to resolve to still stand for God. Are we ready for this? There was so much beyond his control. He decided to control what he could control. But because what he could control had more power than what he could not control. I'm telling you, church, whatever you cannot control, it is so important. Christians and believers, it is so important to dig deeper to see what it is that you can control in every circumstance that tells you that you cannot control it. 
Because trust me when I tell you this, in every adversity, God gives you the ability to stand firm for what is true. Here's what he could not control. Are you ready? I'll give you three points. Point number one, he could not control what others wanted to call him. He could not control what others wanted to label him. He could not control what others wanted to name him. There are so many people around us. There are so many people that God allows in our life that constantly name us, that rename us. There are so many people that speak over us, that declare over us that you are this and you are that. Sometimes it just starts when we're a child. The first step to change the young man's names, the first step that they took to brainwash and change their identity was to change their names to Belteshazzar, to Shadrach, to Meshach, and to Abednego. Okay? There are these four names. That was the first agenda. It was to take their names that were connected to the Almighty God and connected to a false god. I want you to track with me because I told you that verse is important. This will kind of lay the foundation for every other thing we're going to talk about, okay? There were these four amazing names that God gave them, all right? Daniel, you know what the meaning of the name Daniel was? The meaning of the name Daniel was God is my judge, okay? God is my judge. You're going to see a commonality in all these four names. Name number one, Daniel, God is my judge, Name number two, Hananiah. That was his name. The the name means God or Yahweh is gracious. Yah, Hananiah. The word Yah in the original translation in in Hebrew means God. It was a name for God. Yah was a name for God. That's where we get our word hallelujah, praise be unto God. Yah was a name for God. So Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious. Michelle. The name Michelle is who is like God, all right? The same thing. It ended with the word El. El is another word for God, right? So it was, it was basically translated, who is like God? Mish, El, who is like God? Then there was Azariah, again, Azariah, ah, Yah. Okay, so Yahweh is my help. That's the meaning of the name. I told you this is important, so track with me. Okay, Azariah means Yahweh is my help. Now, this is important because this is about to translate into something amazing. The enemy takes what God has given them. The enemy takes God's blessing. The enemy takes God's identity. The enemy takes God's anointing and uses it to his advantage. Now, I want you to track with me. Daniel whose name is God is my judge, it means God's my judge, suddenly becomes Belteshazzar. And you know what the meaning of that name is? Bel protects his life. Bel was a pagan god, okay? I want you to listen. He becomes God is my judge to Baal will protect his life. Come on. Mm. Hananiah, whose name is Yahweh, is gracious, suddenly becomes Shadrach. And you know what that means? It means illuminated by Aku. Aku was another pagan god. And he said, this is going to be your name, illuminated. You're going to, the the light in your life, everything in your life is going to be because of Aku. All right? Michelle, whose name is, who is like God, becomes Meshach. All right? Which, Which 
also means belonging to Aku, the same God. This guy belongs to him. You see this brainwashing that's going on? It starts with the name. It starts with, let me name them, let me call them this, so that they will begin to understand that this is who they are. Come on. Mm. Azariah, whose name is Yahweh, is my help, becomes Abednego, whose the meaning is servant of Nebo. Again, a god, a pagan god. He becomes Yahweh is my help to, hey, Nebu is your help. He is your servant of his. Without him, you're nothing. Kind of a deal. Are you seeing the, the, the trend here? Their original names all had the name of God. Yah and El, all of them. But suddenly, the enemy is coming up and saying, you know what? I am going to strip you of your identity. And my question to so many of us today is, what identities have we been stripped away from? What are the things that we struggle with? Some of us, it starts at a very young age. The number of people that I talk to and, and counsel, and, and as I go through the journey of, of, of faith with them, and as I counsel them and speak life over them, man, I find out about how broken they are. Sometimes they come from broken families. They come from broken upbringings. Sometimes it's physical abuse. Sometimes it's verbal abuse. But more than anything else, it's the emotional abuse that so many go through in their younger days that they can never recover from. What are the labels that, God, that, that man has put on you? What are the labels that people that had to love you put on you? What are the labels that people that were over you, it could be your teachers, it could be people that, that, that you respected, that, that had to speak, like, what are those labels that they put over you? See, the king comes and changes their names against their will. The young men's names originally represented their relationship to the Lord God, Yahweh. Come on. How many of you know where your relationship with God is and how identities that the enemy can throw, you, throw at you can distance you from your relationship with God? It's amazing how your perception of God can change when your circumstances change. Okay, this is, this is good because I want you to track with me. See, the Babylon name changes, the, the name changes represented their relationship to Nebuchadnezzar's favorite gods. What favorite gods do you have in this world? Gods that you probably don't exalt, that you probably don't worship, you know, outlandishly, but without your knowledge, you're worshiping certain gods that have preeminence in your life, that kicks God's place and the identity that God gives you in your life. Here's the thing. Not only did he strip identity, but these were also female gods. Now, I'm, I'm going to break this down, and I want you to track with me. But these were female gods, and what he was doing was he was stripping them of gender. Welcome to the West of 2022, where countries now are suggesting that I can't put the, the gender of my child on my child's birth certificate. Here's what he could not control. He could not control what others wanted to call him. And the second thing in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 7, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. The second point I want to leave with you is this. He could not control the government. He could not control the people in power over him. Trust me, there are so many people that make decisions in your life. There are so many people that will lead you to certain life-changing things that happen in your life that's beyond your control. Daniel and his friends had no control over what the government were calling them, over what the government were telling them they are, what their pronouns were, or if they could use pronouns, or if they could not use pronouns. They were, man, confused all over the place. 
Probably the first thing that the king commanded was all of the captive Israelites be neutered. You know what that means? It literally means that they had their manhood removed. And that's exactly what it is. Do you know what the sound of culture that is self-destructing sounds like? I'll tell you what it sounds like. Along with rape of the enemy's children and murder of enemy's children and ripping open pregnant women and killing of the unborn, making eunuchs of young men is deliberately calculated to destroy a culture. Can we have honest conversations today? Because a eunuch couldn't father children. You better get this. The culture wants less and less fathers in our culture, in our communities. He wants less and less mothers in our communities. In the name of gender bias and the name of pronouns and whatever other things that the culture wants us to adapt to and conform to, this operation, along with rape and murder, signals the destruction of generations. And today the enemy is after generations. Can I be honest with us? The enemy is after our children. The enemy is after women and men that want to bear children and want to produce and want to fulfill what God's first instruction was to couples to go eat therefore and be fruitful. I rebuke every power of the enemy in the name of Jesus that comes against our generations. Come on, somebody say amen now. Hmm. They had to call Daniel... Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, eunuchs. But you know what? I want to make a declaration this morning, and I know how many of y'all will join with me in saying, man, I don't care what you call me. I don't care what name you want to put on me, what label you want to put on me, what, what you want me to conform to. I don't care what you say about me. I know who I am because of who called me. He says I am a child of the living God. He says that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I make you male and female. And when he looked at us, he said, you were good and you had everything that he wanted you to have. Culture cannot change that. <laughs> See, the thing is this. If we're not careful, Christians, if you're not careful, brothers, if you're not careful, sisters, I, if we will take on new names and new identities because we kind of want to be okay with culture. We don't want to get banned. We don't want to be part of the culture that, that, that can't. It's, it's, it's difficult to stick out like a sore thumb. But God is calling some Daniels and some Shadrachs and some Meshachs and some Abednegoes that will stand up and say, you know what, it's, it's okay, call me crazy. I know who I am. I know who I was created to be. I know my convictions. I know what I stand for. It's okay. You don't need to like my Facebook posts. You don't need to like my Instagram posts. But it's okay if you don't like my convictions or my, like my beliefs. It's okay. But this is what I believe in. If we're not careful, man, I'll take on new names and new identities when the enemy throws them at me. We will place titles that God never put on us, church. Stop putting titles on yourself that God never put on you. Oh, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. It runs in my family. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Oh, blood pressure, brother. It's okay. I'm, I'm eventually going to get it. It's all good. I'll just keep popping those pills, bro. That's all good. Heart disease. Oh, come on, brother. It's dad, grandfather. You just bring it on yourself. Oh, brother, don't worry. Financially, we've, we've always been poor. Like, my family's always been, like, financially in the dumps, so we're good. As long as I can make it 
As long as we can slide by. My dad didn't teach me how to invest, brother. It's okay. Investment is not for me. My, my dad, my, our parents, we, we were never into saving, brother. That, that's just not me. Everyone, you know, brother, this is where I live. This is where I come from. I'm from the south side. That's all you can expect from me, brother. This is how I talk. Labels that we often give ourselves. Be a curse breaker. Don't give in to the mold. Don't say, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll sit for you and you, you make off me what you want to make off me. Go ahead, call me whatever you want to call me. Is that what culture is calling me now? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll adapt. Come on, I, I'm, I'm talking to some Daniels today. I'm talking to some Hananias today. I'm talking to some Azar. See, sometimes it's the li- living in the shame of identity for many of us. The identity that was put on us without our choice sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we're like, um, you ask somebody, where, hey, where do you live? And you're like, uh, I live there. Oh, there? You live there? Somebody asked me the other day, hey, Pastor, I love those shoes. What kind of shoes are those? I said, Adidas. I'm wearing Puma now, but Adidas. I said, Adidas. And, I said, and they were like, Adidas? What? I was like, yeah, it's 10 bucks. Got it at Ross, dressed for less. <laughs> They always have size 13 <laughs> for 10 bucks. So what if I wear Adidas? Like, like find, finding identity in things that are temp- temporals. Man, that's what the enemy wants us to do, right? Stop feeling the need to be named and, 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 and identified by the fleeting world's expectations. Like, don't feel like you need to measure up. Don't feel like you need to post your drip on Instagram. Don't feel like you need to justify yourself just because everybody else is doing it. Oh, here's me. I'm, I'm fashionable. I'm good. I'm living it up. I'm doing. Come on, so am I talking to somebody? Hmm. I digress. But today I want to declare over somebody that you are not what you have, you are not what you lost. You are not what someone said about you. You are not what you said about yourself. You are not your possessions. You are not your bank balance. You are not what has been done to you or what is going to be done to you. You are not your worst mistake. I know who I am. I am called by God. You are loved, church. You are accepted. You are called. You are destined. You are named. You are accepted by God. Your name is child of the living God. Never forget that. I don't care what the king and the world calls me. Church, people can name you, but man, you have the right to refuse what they name you. The ability is yours. The power is yours. And some of us need to understand that. Don't let this year name you. The other day, someone was like, here we go again, pastor. 2020 all over again. There's this new strain that's coming. I'm like, man, where'd you hear about it? Like, this is like two months ago. I was like, there's a new strain. I was like, prophet. I'm like, I'm trying to Google it and there's no new strain. I just know, pastor, I just know. 
I'm not pumped. I'm not in denial about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I know that it exists, but I know who I am and who God calls me to be. And because of that, I'm beyond these threatenings of the world. I'm beyond what the enemy is labeling me and calling me. There's so much more inside of me. This is the year to build. And we've been talking about this, that God is calling us to build. And I pray and I declare that God builds your morale, your self-doubt, takes out negativity. I pray that God will instill within you grace and mercy and joy instead of all the negativity that surrounds you. Some of us need to make decisions. I am not going to allow CNN or Fox to tell me what's going to happen to me or what this year holds. I refuse to allow Anderson Cooper or Tucker Carlson to, to tell me who I am or name me or tell me what to expect. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to be moved by who is and who is not in the White House. Don't allow people to brainwash you and lie to you and tell you that the person that's on the Supreme Court, the vacant Supreme Court seat, is going to move God off his throne. I'm not going to be affected by Facebook or Twitter censoring my content, y'all. I know who I am, and I know whose I am, and that's all I need to go to sleep at night because I don't allow them, and I refuse to allow social media. I refuse to allow big tech. I refuse to allow culture. I refuse to allow my friends or peers to tell me whose I am or who I even am. I'm a child of God, and the word of God told me that this year I'm going to build. That was the word that God gave us for this season, that you're going to build. And I want to speak that over somebody. I want somebody to decide today, hey, I'm going to refuse to accept names. I pray that you'll get a word for this year. Get a word for your children. Get a word for your marriage. Speak that over your lives. Refuse those titles. Refuse those things that the enemy throws at you. Point number one, he couldn't control what others wanted to call him. Point number two, he couldn't control the government. Point number three, he couldn't control what was on the table. This is going to get real tricky, y'all. I remember going to a Chinese buffet for the very first time. My first time in America back in 2007. I was so overwhelmed, y'all. <laughs> Never been to a buffet before. I was like... Do I take everything? Like, I, I remember, like, I didn't know protocols. Like, <laughs> I was like, these people are going to get mad if I don't take a little bit of everything. <laughs> so I had a bunch of fried rice, had a bunch of noodles over that, the sesame chicken and the general sauce came after that, the broccoli and the beef came. And it was like this big mountain. I remember, <laughs> I remember my uncle looking at me and saying, just because it's in the buffet, it doesn't, need to mean, it doesn't mean that it needs to be on your plate. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But you know what I did? I ate it. <laughs> I didn't care about my first time at a buffet. I'm gonna I'm enjoy this. It's crazy how we do that in our lives, y'all. All right, read with me, Daniel 1.5. Here's what the king did, all right? What was, in his, what was out of his control, verse number five. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and off, of, uh, and off the wine that he drank. That was out of his control. What was in his control was verse number eight. But Daniel resolved. Someone say resolve. Resolve, resolve is bigger than decree. Write that down. Resolve is bigger than law. 
Resolve is bigger than rules. When you res- I have a I have a two-year-old that is bent. She's in a terrible twos, and she's like, I don't care what you say, I'm gonna do what I want to do. You can threaten her with whatever, and she does not care. Her favorite word is no. Because for her, her resolve and her hard-headedness is so much more bigger than my rules. It's going to change soon. I believe that in Jesus' name. (laughs) Terrible twos. I rebuke it. I can't wait for May to get here. She said, he said, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to defi- not to defile himself. But, but, but here's the thing. He could not control what he could eat. Like, like he, he could not control what was served to him. He couldn't control what was on the table. He couldn't control what was dangled in front of his face. He couldn't control what was on television. He couldn't control what was on his phone and what was on social media and the, 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 the stuff that, 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 that was pulling him towards it. The gravitational pull of the world is not something that you can avoid and get away from. Come on, am I talking to somebody? But like I said earlier, just because it's on the table, it doesn't mean the Christian has to eat it. See, the next step was to change the young man's diet. Because here's a young man, here are four young men that come from a very strict kosher diet. And Daniel looks at them and says, man, just give me some vegetables and some water, and I'm set, y'all. And this dude was like shaking his boot. He was like, you, I, I was entrusted to make sure that you buff, that you put on some muscle, that you eat some meats, you do leg day, and you do arms, and you do all of that, and you don't skip a day. We're going to grind every single day. No rest. Hashtag grind. Hashtag let's go. Hashtag we got this. Whatever else hashtag there is. I ran out of them. But Daniel says, I don't care, man. Just give me some vegan food. Just give me some vegetables. Hmm. There's this massive spread, but you know what that was? It was a bribe. It was nothing but a bribe. It was like he was saying, look how much you can eat with me. If you are with me, look what I can give you. Isn't that what the enemy always says? Look what I can do for you. Like he had the audacity to look at the son of God and say, look, I will give you all of this. See, the... the, that's, that's all that the enemy has to say. Look, open your eyes and look. And the problem is that we don't choose and pick what we need to look at. See, just because it's there, don't look at it. You have a split second to turn your eyes away from it. You have a split second to fast forward. You have a split second to say, no, not today. You have a split second to say, the kids are in the room. You have a split second to say, I don't want to have this conversation with you right now. You have a split second to make that decision and have that resolve to say, you know what? I don't like where this conversation is going. I don't, I don't like what it's bringing out of me. So I resolve to say, time out. Matthew 4, 9 Satan looks at Jesus and said, if you just bow down and worship me, I will give you what? Everything. Everything. 
Man, the king is trying to tap into his natural desire. That's what the enemy does. He tries to tap into our natural desires. But Daniel, the Bible says, resolved because he says, man, I know who I am. Here's the thing. If you know for sure and in all certainty whose you are and who you are and that nothing in this world can take you away from the love of Jesus Christ, I want to remind somebody today that there's no Nebuchadnezzar. There is no person in the White House. There is no person that makes rules or laws. There is no person in your company. There is no person that works with you. There is no boss. There is no manager. There is nobody that exercises authority over you that can shake you and quake you because you are rooted in Jesus Christ. He says, I will not eat your food or drink your wine. Why? Because food is doctrine. Food is doctrine. I mean, look at the Word of God. The Word of God is described in many food terms. It's described as milk. It's described as honey. It's described as meat. It's described as bread, as water, as manna. Am I talking to somebody? Food is doctrine. I don't want your food or your way of thinking is exactly what Daniel is saying. I don't want your bribe. I don't want it. I can be at the same table and say no to your food. Am I talking to somebody? That's what Jesus did. He sat at the same table with those tax collectors. He sat at the same table with the sinners. And he said, I'll sit at the table, but I have the ability and the capacity to draw the line and say no. I feel like somebody needs to hear this today. We can go to work at the same place and still have resolve. We can all work together and I can still say no to your food. Hmm. We can all go to the same school. We can take the same classes, but I can still say no to your food. We can all be a part of the same culture and I can still say no to your food. We can all have the same interests and, and the hobbies and we can work out together and we can do all of that stuff. We can go out and eat together, but I can still say no and draw the line where I need to draw the line. See, because I don't have to eat the same thing as you. If you order the quesadillas, I can order the nachos. Like, it's, it's, it's not like everybody has to go in and no one has a choice. Like, I would hate to go to a restaurant like that. Like everybody wants choices. What was wine? Wine was spirit. He was looking at him and saying, I don't want your spirit. I don't want anything that, that will make me intoxicated. I don't want to be intoxicated. I don't want to be influenced. I'm talking to somebody today. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be swayed. I don't want to be incoherent. I don't want to be confused. I don't want to be taken advantage of. I don't want my body to do what my heart won't do. I don't want to be numb to my emotions. I don't want to be dehydrated after I'm drunk. I don't want to be throwing up everywhere. I don't want to wake up on someone else's sheets. I don't hear any amens. Someone say preach, pastor. Because for him, he said, I have a calling, y'all. God has called me for something and something bigger than this. I have a job to do. I have a future, y'all. I have a journey ahead of me. I can't risk it all. I still need my brain at the end of it all. I want to live long. He said, I don't want your spirit. I want my own spirit that jives with the Lord. Because when you lean on his spirit, he says, you don't need the power. You don't need the might. You don't need to rely on your own understanding. We need to have a different spirit. Look at somebody and say, have a different spirit. You don't need the spirit of the world. 
That's exactly what David looks at the, the king and says. He looks at Saul and says, you're giving me the best. You're giving me the sword and you're giving me all this stuff, this ammunition that I need to face this giant. But he says, not by what? Power. He says, not by might, not by all this weaponry, but he says, but by the spirit of the Lord. When you and I function in the spirit, walk in the spirit, talk in the spirit, you don't need to rely on the tools that man gives you and the tools that people give you to be able to handle business. Come on, somebody. You need to go into the presence of God and say, my identity and my understanding and my spirit is in the spirit of God. And because of that, I will succeed and I will thrive. It doesn't matter what comes against me. When hell is breaking loose around us, the spirit of the Christian should be different. People around you should look at you and say, man, how are you so calm in this storm? How are you not shaken by this circumstance that you're going through? Why is this news of cancer not bothering you? Come on, somebody. I think it was last year. I had to write this down in, in, in my phone. I had to even make it a wallpaper at some point in time in my life where I said, I will, I will not be swayed by bad news. I will not be swayed by bad news. I will not be affected by bad news. There's this resolves that we have to make because when people walk into your room, are they uplifted? Are they dragged down further than when they walked in? And that's my ask to each one of you, is what are you, or what spirit are you walking in? Band, you guys can get ready to come up. Romans chapter 12 and verse two. This is what the Bible says. It says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. What does that mean? See, to be conformed means to put on the form. Conform, to put on a form. It's to put on fashion or appearance of another. It literally means to be shaped from the outside. To fit a mold. Someone say fit a mold. I'm saved, I'm washed by the blood of, on the inside, but the world is trying to shape me on the outside. Am I talking to a Christian this morning? Because that's me. I'm talking about my, I don't know if I'm talking about anybody here. I'm talking about me here. I'm, I'm blood saved. I am sanctified. I am washed in the blood of Jesus, but the enemy's constantly trying to conform me to what... Uh, my kids had this growing up till they broke it, and Vicky and Jeff came to my rescue. We all know what Play-Doh is. Play-Doh, these this kids love this, and we find it on carpets, and we find it in, uh, the other day we found it in our dishwasher. I was like, how did this get in our dishwasher? Seriously? But they sell these things. It's, uh, it's like these little gadgets, and some of them bigger than the others, but this is all I need, so thank you guys for coming through. It's a system, it's a small tool that allows you to take this piece of Play-Doh and stuff it in there. <laughs> How many of you get stuffed in places that you don't want to be in? Yes. Get suffocated and I get stuffed. I wish you could see this, but zoom in as much as you can on this so people online can see this. Stuff it in, stuff it in. And then here's the thing, you gotta take this uh, little pattern thingy. It has a triangle, it has a, what, what shape is that? Kind of a cross, but 
sitting weird. It's an X. Huh. Okay. I promise you I have two master's degrees. Thank you. There's an H and there are three circles. Okay? And the, and the crazy thing is, we're, sometimes the enemy gives us options too. And all he has to do is just slide those in sometimes. You go about doing whatever you're doing. Today is going to be a triangle day. I want, you, I want you to come out exactly. And all he does is apply some pressure. He stuffs you in, okay? And all he got to do is apply some pressure on it, okay? And out you come exactly in the shape of a triangle. And then he says, tomorrow, Aaron, I want you to come out like a, what do we say this was? A cross, an X, okay? A little more pressure. That's all there is. Just go ahead and do it. It's okay. Everyone else is doing it. Here you go. Here you go. X. X. Conform. All right. Next day is three circles. Some pressure. Press. Ooh. Noodles. Am I talking to somebody? Conform. And we just keep on going and on and on and on. And God's like, man, I've created you to be perfect. He That's what the Bible says. I created you. I made you. And I said, he was, he was happy. He was content. He said, you are good. That's what he said. He said, I've made you with everything you need. You have the looks that you need. You have the handsomeness that you need. You have everything. You're, you were the right sex. You were the right gender. Everything was right. But somehow, this need of approval and the need to be fancy and need to come out like this sometimes often makes us put ourselves in situations of pressure. And situations we shouldn't be found in. And we come out looking like crazy stuff. Disfigured. Because we wanted to be in a mold. But Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. See, here's the thing, right? I'm saved. I'm washed by the blood on the inside. But the world is trying to shape me. See, we allow behavior, or culture, or lifestyle to make us, to mold us. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I'm baptized. But I like to talk like the world. I'm saved. I'm baptized. But I like to think like the world. I'm saved. But I like to act like the world. I'm saved, I'm baptized, but I have all the sexual desires of the world. I'm saved, I am baptized, but I have the curse of the world. I am saved, I'm baptized, but I have the road rage of the world. Oops. I'm saved, I'm baptized, but I do and cheat on taxes like the world. President Kennedy said this the best. He said, conformity is the enemy of growth. Because <laughs> what God has called you and me to be is transformed people. Transformed people. 
And that's what we have to do. Every single day, we have to strive towards transformation. We have to, there's this thing called sanctification, working out your faith. Every single day, God requires you and me to work on our faith, work on our faith, work on our faith. Make sure that we make all the things that we need to do to make sure that we are gaining momentum and going to that point of blessing. But sometimes it's Christians that pull us back. You know, a butterfly in a cocoon, a cocoon is always comfortable in where it is. And I saw this, this cartoon that explains Christians really well. The little caterpillar comes out of the cocoon and he looks at the butterfly and says, man, you've changed. You've changed. How many of y'all have got that before? Man, you started going to church, you changed. Man, once you started coming to church, man, you changed. Sometimes it's the Christians that plays devil's advocate. How many of y'all have that? They come and poke the bear. And, and the butterfly is like, dude, I'm, we're supposed to. Like, we're supposed to be changed. We're supposed to be transformed. This is who we are. We're supposed to be colorful. We're supposed to fly around, not crawl around. Like, stop, stop dragging me back. See, when you transform into a butterfly, the caterpillars around you will talk about your weirdness, not your beauty. Trust me. Be careful who you're around. Are you around caterpillars or are you around butterflies? Mm, write that down. They want you to change back to what you were. But man, you have wings now, y'all. I know who I am. He says, do not conform to the world, but be transformed. Vicky, can you help me out with that? Be transformed by the power of God. You know, I'm, pr I'm pretty, this isn't, I didn't come up with this. Trust me, okay? This is, it's pretty cool, though. There's this, uh, there's this cup that I filled some Coke with, okay, earlier on today. And, and, and here's the thing. It's, in sin, our lives are like this. With the lust of the world, with the stuff of the world, our, our lives are like this. Polluted, dark, without hope. But it's amazing when you allow God to transform you. See, it's amazing when God comes into your life and my life, what it can do to darkness and do to something like this. I'm going to use this for the sake of it not being a big mess, but trust me, there's no magic. Woo! That would have gone viral. I'm glad you're getting a kick out of that. Okay. But the moment I take that cup and I take God's word and I take God's spirit and every single day I start filling myself up with it, man. It fills me and fills me and fills me. It fills me. Trust me, there's no magic. It just happens to be that water Sometimes when you give it the ability to transform you, when you give God the ability to transform you, it eventually does something in your life. Okay, day after day, the process of sanctification is like this. It, it takes the worst out of you. It takes the darkness out of you. It takes the void out of you. And it brings you out. And it restores you to what God created you to be. That's what he's talking, that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, don't be conformed. 
Don't be okay with the way you are. Be transformed. It doesn't matter. Just because you're dark and just because you have that stuff inside, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that God can't change. He says, be transformed. And Daniel and his friends, day after day, you got to be like super careful with this. It's like to the brim. They made conscious decisions. Thank you, Vicky. Made conscious decisions to say, I'm going to allow the word. I'm going to allow his spirit. And he said, man, I'm just going to pray. He said, come back in 10 days and check up on me. He says, I'm going to be submitted to prayer and fasting. Am I talking to somebody? Before you make some big major decisions, I pray that some of us will submit ourselves to fasting and prayer. He said, man, before I say yes, before I say no, before you even judge me, I want you to see what God can do in my life through a season of fasting and prayer. Ten days of intensive fasting and prayer. God is about to do something amazing in his life. These four boys... Their message is this, I don't care who you say I am. I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you say about me. I know who I am. When you are transformed, you set yourself up for blessing. You set yourself up for blessing. You know, verse 17, it says, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding of all visions and dreams. Their convictions and decisions is what gave them opportunity. Sometimes it's just a bold stand and a stance and a decision, a resolve that you and I have to make. Saying, God, I will not conform. I refuse to be conformed. I refuse to come out like something I don't understand myself. How many of you, like, at the end of stuff that you do, some crazy, you know, stuff that you do, you come out like, what was I even thinking? That's because you, you give yourself into situations like this. Where you allow something as silly as this to pressurize you and put you in a situation where you come out crazy and, 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 and weird. And God says, man, I, I want to use you the way I created you to be. And today God is speaking to somebody and asking you, do you know who you are? You are washed in the blood of Jesus. You are transformed. Do not conform. Stand up on your feet with me today as we reflect on this word and as we approach the Lord's table, hey, if we're taking communion today, and if they probably gave you communion on the way in, if there's anybody that did not get communion, I had mine over there. Can, can someone grab me one real quick? Can there. If, if you didn't get communion today, would you, uh, would you just lift your hand up and somebody will bring it to you? Just, just lift your hand up and someone will bring it to you. You know, as we approach communion today, I want to I wanna remind us of something today. We're not standing here on our own merit, church. We're not. We're not standing here on our own ability. We're not standing here because of something we have done. We're standing here because of who God is. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.